All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Camfer no say. And I'll never give it play. I'll take your photos to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from a bay to make them stay. Cause I hate when Bailey's, but I manifest a little with my Bailey's. I'm my ancestors, baby. So I give them everything that they gave me. so excited about today's episode because we are going to be interviewing my friend, my elder, my historian, uh, my homegirl, all around bad bitch, my Isha with Cognac and Conjure. She is a medium. She is a priestess. She practices hoodoo. She is a two-headed doctor, conjurer, root worker, Everything you can think of, <laughs> Maisha is, and she embodies so much for me, and um, just like on behalf of other people, so much for for all of us who learn from her every single day. Um, I tell people all the time, I would not be doing this spiritual work, I would not even know an ounce of my power if it was not for Maisha. Um, and it's so funny because I tell her this too, like I did not like her <laughs> when I first met her when it was which was just through the interwebs like I did not mess with her and then I just didn't know why exactly I just was a hater and I she would just be talking about all of these all of this history and talking about our ancestors and reclaiming our spiritual practices and the things that she was doing I was like um skirt uh no like chill out and eventually I stopped being a hater and I you know, really started to question literally like, what is with my thing and me and her? And like, why don't I like, and she didn't know any of this. It was just my own personal stuff. And I was just like running from my own power. Like Aisha was like, just reflecting to me what it might mean to step into my, step into my shit, to be vocal and to talk about our people and our ancestors and, and its importance in reclaiming and like, not just reclaiming, but that reclamation process is just us remembering what we already have in us. And that just scared me. Um, and uh, when I decided to step into that power and step into that remembrance, I was like, yo, this person is actually divinely sent. And it's not just me. This person is like responsible for a lot of people, um, a lot of really powerful spiritual workers stepping into their truths and stepping into their their own knowledge and their own just their own gifts so I I owe Maisha all the praises in the world because she is like a divine being like sent here to like get us all in order like that's really just what it is and so I am more than honored to just even be able to share um a conversation with us and to to be able to bless y'all's ears with with her knowledge so get out your pen and paper I'm gonna stop rambling 
And I just want y'all to get into the interview. So sit back. I would say relax, but y'all ears need to be perked and you need to be listening to this, this good ass content. <laughs> um, really, truly, truly a blessing. So get into this interview and be prepared for how fine her voice is. I'm going to just leave it at that. She just one of them people that just got a fine ass voice. Like even if you don't want to hear what they saying, you're going to listen because their voice is fine. Like that's how I know she was like divinely sent because she got the captivating voice. So we got to listen to her, you know. <laughs> so anyway, y'all, I hope you enjoy. And uh, here's the interview. Hey, Maisha. Hey, Sam, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited that you took some time out of your busy schedule to be a part of this podcast and to talk about hoodoo. I'm just excited because, I mean, I feel like you could literally talk about anything. So there could be multiple <laughs> things that we could talk about because you're mm-hmm. just a well of knowledge. So I'm just Thank really grateful that. that you just took the time out to be here. Yeah, I'm grateful that you, you know, you started this podcast, um, you know, like, like I was saying, the, you know, the podcast forum is really um, expanding. And um, I'm really happy that, you know, you've taken the initiative to, to create this type of radio show, because, you know, we really need to be spreading this information and having these conversations and, and having authentic practitioners, um, you know, be the face and, and the voice of, of the tradition. Well, thank you for saying that, because I wouldn't be doing none of this if it wasn't for you. So, y'all listening, <laughs> I would literally not be doing none of this if it wasn't for Maisha. So, it's... Well, I'm so happy you had to you be are. here. <laughs> You're such a powerful person, and I'm always, you know, uh, a little in awe when people say that to me, and they're like, you know, you're the reason that I got started, and I'm like, that mm-hmm. makes me feel really good, because y'all are doing <laughs> some really dope things. <laughs> like, Little shit, you need to feel good, because you are the reason for so many of us doing this work. So, thank you. Thank you. Um, so who are you? Like, what called you to do this spiritual work? What called you to practice hoodoo? Like, just give us a little bit of background, like how you knew that you had a gift and that you had to do something with it. Oh, um, my story is, um, my story is, I guess, a little bit, um, non-traditional, I guess, how, you know, people ended up here because I wasn't raised in a Christian household. So Mm. there was no, um, like it wasn't sort of a process of leaving the church and entering into the tradition. Um, like I grew up with a mother who's a clairvoyant and, um, mm-hmm. and my dad who, you know, was a baby diviner. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, like grandparents from the South who, you know, share stories and tales and, and, um, and those types of, um, you know, our, our, our traditions, our stories, our mythology, um, and it's not even really mythology, you know, I don't like that Western word, but our, our folk tales. Um, and so I've always just had a, I've always had a, um, a clairvoyant or, or deep, um, spiritual ability. And, and then I grew up in a, you know, I grew up in a town in an area, I'm from the Bay, um, that has a huge, you know, everybody, all the black folks in the Bay have grandparents or great grandparents from the South. Um, and a large portion from like Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas. Um, and so there's, I learned a lot just from the community, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it would, it would be a lot more, it would be a lot more sorceress type stuff than it would be, um, than it would be uh, religious. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that veneer of Christianity in the tradition, but it was a lot, you know, growing up in the hood, it was a lot of people 
um, trying to, you know, make sure people stop talking about them, make sure their homes are protected, make sure their baby daddy pay child support, like, right. you know, those really practical and pragmatic uses. Um, and so from there, um, you know, I got dragged by my ancestors into, you know, more formal veneration. Um, and then, you know, through, you know, exposure to the community. And then I ended up, um, you know, more in hoodoo ancestral veneration. And then I got dragged into Lukumi and, and then, you know, later in life or, or more recently, a couple of years ago, I got initiated to Njuzu. So um, my formal titles are Nganga Cha Njuzu, or I'm an Njuzu priestess, um, and a conjurist and a root doctor um, and a historian. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a diviner. I, I, I look into people's spiritual lives and, and I try to guide them as best as I can um, towards, you know, their destinies and, and that fulfillment. Um, so that we have a community that's healthy and that's um, mm-hmm. spiritually protected and that has the necessary resources to, um, you know, to get free and to live and to and to be healthy and balanced um, mm-hmm. and have, you know, fuller lives. So that's what I do. I shaded that. I want to go back a little bit just because you said that you were a priestess of Njuzu and mm-hmm. I know folks might not be familiar with that. So could you give us like a quick rundown of what is Njuzu. What does that mean? Yes. So Njuzu, the actual word is um, is Shona. It's the, the traditional water spirits of the Shona ethnic group in Zimbabwe. Um, and my lineage specifically um, are Njuzu of the diaspora. So there was a Nganga Cha Njuzu. Nganga means priest in, in many Bantu languages mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> who had moved to New York. Um, and in Shona land, um, and Jews are the traditional water spirits. Um, and then when people pass away in the water or they drown in the water, they oftentimes join in Jusu, um, or they become part of the, you know, the divine body of water spirits in that tradition. And so there was a, an Nganga Chan Juzu who was from Zimbabwe, who moved to New York. And he noticed that, um, that our ancestors who had passed away during the middle passage, we're going through the process of apotheosis, um, which is, you know, a point of elevation where they're becoming divine entities um, or divinities themselves. And he started initiating diasporans to that type of Njuzu with the language and spiritual technology he had from his um, indigenous land. Um, mm. And then I was initiated through that lineage. Um, so Njuzu are you know, of the 15 million, and that's a rough estimate, of the 15 million people that were, you know, brought to the Western Hemisphere during the slave mm-hmm. trade, we lost, you know, we lost 5 million people in the Atlantic. Um, mm-hmm. And so many of those ancestral souls have elevated um, into water divinities and joined in Juzu as a pantheon. Um, and so it's those, and they show themselves as mermaids. So it's those ancestral mermaids that I'm initiated to. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you Thank for that. You. Of so, course. So how does that, being a priestess of Njuzu, how does that fit into your work with hoodoo? Or, or does it, or is it kind of just, is it separate? And then can you just even talk about what hoodoo is? Yeah. Um, give me one second, I'm going to light a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So Njuzu, or diaspora Njuzu, um, you know, like the, you know, the slave trade has been happening since the 1500s. So what's that? A good 500 years. Um, so I think that our, um, our ancestral traditions and water spirits have always been a part of hoodoo. Um, like they've always been an integral part. And I think in Juzu is emerging 
um, you know, as a um, as a faction of Hudu. And so I think that, you know, my initiation as Nganga Chanjus was definitely a big part of, um, you know, my Hudu and Kanja practice. I don't necessarily consider them separate. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be a Hudu or a Kanja woman or, um, you know, a two-headed doctor or a Kanja doctor and not be initiated to Njuzu. But I do think that, um, you know, Njuzu is, is a really important sect of the tradition and um you know and as we grow and as the tradition grows and we reclaim it um i think we'll start to shape it in the ways that we need to um when i think about hoodoo and in its definition um you know there's obviously all the the historical precedent that goes into it but hoodoo is the hoodoo is the the religion of enslaved africans um in what is now considered the united states um, you know, it's the spiritual practices and connectivity and technology and spiritual science that, um, you know, that we've created out of 46 plus nations that were forced to come to this land. Um, and it's a um, it's a tradition that is both religious and sorcerous. Um, so, you know, we have um, that feeling of connectedness and that work towards enlightenment that we're always looking for. And then we have, um, you know, practical and pragmatic ways that we utilize spiritual technology um, to get free and to resist, you know, white supremacy and patriarchy and capitalism um, so that we can, you know, have spiritual protections and support. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who do, you know, fundamentally it belongs to black Americans. Um, Like, um, I definitely like- (laughs) Oh, right. Well, no, I mean, it's it's just facts. Um, It is just facts. It's just facts. And we're always, you know, in my experience, both my own practice and the practice of others, I think we're always open to to other Black folks in the way that other Black folks are always open to us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many of us who are involved in um, Caribbean traditions or in continental traditions. And so I firmly believe in that exchange um, and that sharing of spiritual technology so that we, you know, are all moving towards the global goal of, of the abolition of anti-blackness. But, um, but yeah, no, it belongs to black Americans and, and mm-hmm. hoodoo is, who is, uh, inherently about, um, you know, ancestral teachings and, um, and what it is that you receive through your own lineages who have been shaped by the politic of this, um, or the violence of, of this space and what it is we've been able to preserve. And so, um, I do believe that you have to have a, you know, a strong um, African lineage, at least a couple, um, you know, to do this work effectively right. and authentically. Um, and to be honest, it's a lot of people who don't have that, who are trying to, um, mm. you know, shape the face of the tradition or um, or hijack, um, you know, the tradition and, and use um, our verbiage um, to, you know, claim authority in something that they, they don't have authority in and that they don't even fully understand. Hmm. Who? Okay. We just getting into it early. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, I think for, for people who are still like, I still don't really know what hoodoo is or like, what is, like, what is the importance of hoodoo now? Like how were our ancestors using hoodoo and what is, and what does it mean that we are now reclaiming those same practices? Like, how did that help our ancestors? How did that even birth us into this world? Like how is hoodoo even a part of our current culture? And like, where is it actually coming from? And like, why was it important to our people? Oh, yeah. No, I think that, um, like, definitely um, many of us, and so that's not an indictment of any, you know, one group, but many of us have absorbed a lot of, um, like, Western ideas 
um, about our ancestors, about time, about tradition, about religion. Um, like in an indigenous African way, there really is no secularism, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so there's no separation between the things that you do every day um, and your spiritual life. Um, and so, you know, hoodoo is a combination of, um, of different practices from those 46 plus ethnic groups that we come from um, that we use to feel connected and to get free. Um, and so, I mean, historically it's, you know, these traditions have supported, um, you know, pretty much all slave rebellions, um, all resistant action, um, you know, the, the ways that we take care of one another and ourselves, um, especially with actual physical medicine. Um, you know, when we talk about um, black midwives in the South or we talk about root doctors, these are, um, you know, these are actual doctors. These are people who have extensive medical knowledge. This is the ways in which the community would take care of each other. I mean, even things like, um, you know, in the South, pokes a lot is, um, is you know, a, a well-known delicacy. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, oh, I can't remember his name. He wrote a cookbook. Um, but you should post a link or something because I've heard the book is amazing. But I was seeing an excerpt and he was talking about how pokes a lot itself is poisonous um, and how our ancestors would cook it twice to cook the poison out. Um, mm. But how they were eating it because the poison itself would purge parasites um, mm. and slavery forced us into all types of unsanitary and disgusting conditions. Yeah. And so we even our cuisines today reflect that. Um, as well as, you know, all types of um, medicines, you know, how people use yellow root tea, um, how they, you know, utilize elderberry syrup um, or, um, you know, the ways in which we connect with our dead, um, you know, leaving offerings at our cemeteries are the way that we do grieving, um, you know, the way that we do funerals, like all of those things have a root in hoodoo. And so it's, it's you know, I heavily believe in reclaiming the tradition, but a lot of folks, I think, don't all the way understand that they never truly abandoned it. They just lost mm. the verbiage. Does that make right. sense? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many people who will tell you like, don't let the broom hit your feet. You know, you got to spit on it. Uh -huh. <laughs> don't sweep nobody out of your life. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, folks whose grandmothers are like, you know, there's a lightning storm. And they say, everybody get in one room, turn off all the lights. God is talking like, Right. These right. um these little I things that, that. <laughs> right these little <laughs> things that um that seem just like you know just normal black things that folks do all of these are rooted in um, yeah. in our indigenous spiritual understanding mm -hmm. um, and so you know it's not even so much like um, like how do we get hoodoo back it's like how do we identify the things that we're already doing um, that really and truly are hoodoo and you know those are some those are some light um, examples, <laughs> right, but, right. Uh, but yeah, even those things, you know, as benign as they seem are rooted in this understanding. All you need is a little juju. Yeah. So thank you for that. So it's like hoodoo is not something that is disconnected from us. Like hoodoo actually exists in our blood. It is black mm -hmm. culture. It is our spirituality. It is the way that we eat. Is the way that we understand death. I mean, it's all of those things together. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes it feels like People feel disconnected from hoodoo because of, I mean, of course, just the ways that the Western world has demonized our practices and even just demonized oh gosh, being black. Yes. So, yes. of course, hoodoo just gets the brunt of all of that demonization so that we feel so disconnected from like, no, we we're already doing hoodoo every day. Right. And, and it's severely delegitimized. Right. Um, right. Like. 
folks call hoodoo root working conjuring oh it's it's um you know american folk magic like what the fuck even is that can right. i can i cuss on here because you know i cuss. you sure if i can <laughs> yes <laughs> you know i cuss just in my regular everyday verbiage um but yeah no they call it uh you know american folk magic it's not it's not American folk it's magic. American <laughs> like, folk magic. Like every 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 foundational um, portion of hoodoo is from Africa. Um, like there are um, traditions that are popular within hoodoo that can be traced to Europe or Christianity, but those are veneers or additions. Those are things that can be removed and still have authentic hoodoo. Like mm-hmm. the core of hoodoo is African. Period. Um, and so, and, and, you know, people try to delegitimize it, um, by saying that it's a practice, not a religion. Um, and we know that that's not true either. Um, yeah, speak to that, please. Yeah, no, there's definitely this idea that, um, you know, that during slavery, um, you know, we were, had Christianity beat into us, which does have some truth to it. Um, but the vast majority of Black Americans um, or of enslaved Africans here in the U.S. were not actively practicing devout Christians until, you know, the early 19th century. That means that the entirety of enslavement was really based around um, hoodoo itself and those nature-based traditions that we've preserved. Um, and so I think people, you know, they have a skewed timeline or understanding of, you know, what their ancestors did and were willing to do. Um, to, you know, keep their traditions alive and to utilize that spiritual technology to get free. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even when folks are talking about, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of like misconceptions because, you know, folks know about praise houses on um, on plantations or praise houses were the places that, you know, black folks would go to have those religious and spiritual experiences. And praise houses were not Christian. Like they weren't, um, well, the vast majority of them weren't. And they were oftentimes built next to cemeteries or they were built in the woods or they were, um, you know, built next to rivers. And, and the praise house is actually the foundation for what would become the black church. But in its inception was not a, a Christian institution. Um, it, it's also the foundation for what became the club, like hey. what became the speakeasy, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What became jazz clubs and, and you know, the turn up spot, like. Um, you know, and that's what I was saying about like secularism really isn't indigenous to any culture I've studied in Africa. Um, like, you know, it used to be one thing, the place where you party and turn up and dance and have a good time is also the place where you experience spiritual connection, um, and enlightenment. And so when we, you know, firmly contextualize the praise house, we understand that, you know, it's not, it's not Christian and our ancestors were not Christian, um, you know, not any type of real Christian, you know what I'm saying? And by real yeah. Christian, I mean like evangelical Bible reading, um, you know, uh, um, all praise to Jesus and Jesus only type of religious workers. Um, yeah, I really wanted you to get into that because I know a lot of people now say that hoodoo is Christian. You can't practice hoodoo without Christianity. Oh you need gosh. the Bible. That is the way that our ancestors did it. I mean, the book of Psalms, there's just, I mean, that makes Christianity me so and hoodoo goes together and you know in fairness a lot of people who do practice hoodoo are christian but that doesn't necessarily mean that hoodoo is christian so can you please talk to that because that is such a hot topic i think in the hoodoo community yeah no definitely i think that um you know that people 
misunderstand um, hoodoo in that way. Like there's definitely, there's a lot. I, I, I would argue actually, and this always shocks people, but I would argue that the, vo- the vast majority of authentic um, hoodoo practitioners would publicly identify as Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have a hard time hearing that <laughs> because, you know, like the, the commercialization and consumerism has people thinking that, um, you know, like white sage bundles and, and, and buying crystals and, and, you know, these aesthetics are what hoodoo is. But the, the, true, the true hoodoo practitioners publicly identify as Christian, even if they're not really practicing Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that with, um, Hoodoo in the Bible, um, you know, folks were, folks were forced to speak English, first of all. Um, and then we have to also think about slave policy in the U S. Um, so, you know, it was policy that you never, um, sell people from the same ethnic group or who speak the same language to the same plantation. Um, and so language wasn't as preservable as it was in other places in like Latin America and South America. Um, so everybody's forced to speak English and then, um, and you know, when you're building something with another person or coming into spiritual connectivity with another person, if the only common language you have is English, that's the language you're going to pray in. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, when we did get exposure to the Bible, we just swapped out our African prayers for biblical prayers because that's what we had access to. Um, but we have to remember that that's pragmatic as well. Um, and so there are many people who use Psalms or who use verses from the Bible. Um, but we can easily swap that out and start creating our own prayers. We're no longer in a space or a place where we'll be immediately killed for, um, for creating our own prayers or for praying outside of, um, like, you know, the Bible's uh, set set of rules. Um, so I, who do, uh, the Bible is not required in hoodoo whatsoever. It's just, um, you know, a text that people were utilizing in African ways. Um, mm. Like I have a, <laughs> I have a client whose mom, um, whose mom be praying the 35th Psalm on people. And <laughs> I think she, she put her boss in a car accident or something. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the way that she used that Psalm, she used in a pragmatic way, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't use that Psalm within a Christian context. Right. She just used those words to enact and she used those words to enact sorcery. The sorcery itself can be called part of Hulu, but she could have done that with another prayer. That's just the prayer right. that she had access to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, no, the Bible is not essential to Hulu, um, in, in any way that, that I believe, um, but it is something that people use and have used. So I don't knock folks who do use it, but I will be quick to say it's not needed, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, it just sounds like that the Bible was used out of safety, one mm-hmm. reason. Um, it was used out of, I mean, that's how people were learning to read and, ha- and access to just a text in general mm-hmm. to be able to right. learn. So, um, But it's not, because like you were saying, the sorcery just exists. And right. the, the Bible just was a book of words to use to enact that sorcery. <laughs> right. The sorcery is there. The sorcery right. Is there. And even like mm. when you go into the church, it's so funny, like, you know, indigenous practitioners who have exposure to the church. I, you know, I wasn't raised a Christian, but I've definitely been in a couple of black churches in my life. Like you see people catch the Holy Ghost and you're like, mm. that is not the Holy Ghost. Mm. Like you just all the way call the water spirit. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The whole time that's the like, ancestor. Right. Or, <laughs> right. Or you had that, that overshadowing happen. 
Um, And so I think that, um, you know, a lot of hoodoo has been preserved in the church as well. And so I think the history is inextricable, but I will maintain consistently that that Christianity is not necessary. It's not a necessity. It's not required Um, because, you know, like when assimilation started happening or folks started um, converting to Christianity, people are oftentimes asked why. Um, Mm -hmm. And people had to do that, like in order to, you know, have some social standing during reconstruction like you know a lot of our hbcus are based in certain christian concepts so if you wanted to go and get a higher education you had to convert or at least publicly convert um Mm -hmm. in order to have some sense of legitimacy within society that doesn't mean that you know people were converting necessarily because they all the way believed in in jesus saving them right um you know it was practical and pragmatic and then you have hoodoo that still exists under that veneer. And so you see within the black church, um, you know, the way that we do Mother's Day celebrations, the way that we do funerals, the way that we catch ghosts, the way that... Um, and throw white over somebody who caught a ghost. Yes, yes. <laughs> the way that um, we even have mothers of the church, you know what mm. I'm saying? Or that um, that, um, that black woman elder presence um, that holds the church together. Like, mm. you know, you could argue that that's IJ energy you know, Mm. or that um, is an indigenous African energy that keeps the institution together. Um, And that has a lot more, that has a lot more, um, that has a larger basis in more traditional African concepts than it does in any type of Christianity. I mean, even you go to black churches and they talk about the spirit of discernment. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) You're talking about clairvoyance. Right, right. In the Bible, it says, you know, if it's a fortune teller or a psychic or somebody who can read spirits that you're supposed to kill them. Um, we don't shun people in the black church who can see. We give them special places. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that yeah. it's always a grandmother who's, you know, had a dream about some fish. Somebody get pregnant. She tell mm-hmm. you, you know, prophecy going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or even the opposite. Like, you know, they, we talk about grandmother's prayers. Um, and in certain parts of the South, you know, they talk about putting that mouth on you. Like if an old woman curse you or say something to you, like it'll have extremely strong spiritual effects. Um, so, you know, and I remember, you know, Kendrick talking about, you know, ain't nobody praying for me, um, and talking Mm. about his grandmother's passing because, you know, even when we're not conscientiously participating in hoodoo, we're still doing hoodoo. Like just the understanding that, you know, the matriarchs of your family and the words that they speak has a massive effect on the entire lineage, um, is something that is very indigenous, um, and not part of the Christian framework that we claim. Mm. So, so yeah, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> oh, it does. I mean, I'm just always like, mm, I feel like I'm in church right now because the things that we, the things that black people like about the black church is not the church; it's the black. So it's right, just like, right. And the black is the hoodoo shit. Right, <laughs> and and even our emphasis doing. on music, our emphasis on yeah. possession, our emphasis on um, you know, or even like um, even storytelling. And I and mm-hmm. I say this with all respect, but a lot of the black church includes theatrics. Um, and I mean that in the best possible way, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the black church has a lot of performance aspects, um, that are really tied to, um, traditional forms of storytelling. And so, you know, I think if we took that framework and and you could easily remove the Christianity from that framework and it would still be black, (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. and it would still be religious. Um, and so, 
you know, those performance aspects, the storytelling, the, you know, creating crescendos, the music, the, the, um, you know, push towards that feeling of having the ghost into your body. Like these are all um, indigenous African concepts that we preserved and, and had in hoodoo before conversion to, to Christianity. Right. Um, and so now that veneer and structure of Christianity is put on top of it, but um, you know, in it's an original, in its original form, it's not, none of that is considered part of, you know, Christian worship. All you need is a little juju. I feel so full. I'm like, I feel so proud to practice hoodoo. Like in this moment. I'm yes. Like, yes. 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 And I'm so proud of us. So, from, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I'm saying I'm so proud of us. Um, you know, those of us who are, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're not too many generations from people publicly practicing. Yeah. Um, and, and it's such a, it's such a delight and a treasure to see, um, you know, so many people reclaiming their, their inheritance and, and what it is that they're receiving from their ancestral body. And, you know, that's why I be, go to your ancestors first, go to your ancestors yep. first. Like yep. you always yep. got to go to them first because there's nothing that we're doing that they don't know how to do. Like that's mm. the, that's the first place to learn. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's, it's, we're really in a time where, um, we're reclaiming the narrative and reclaiming the tradition um, and, you know, talking about it, writing about it, being in community with each other, bringing it, um, you know, more into the the public life of, of the black community. Um, and that's something that fills me with, like, it makes my heart full, you know, like Same. it makes me feel so much joy. Same. And why do you feel like, at least for me, it seems like there's a little bit of, like when you tell people that you practice hoodoo even people who practice other ATRs it feels a little bit delegitimized yeah and like what do you think where or where do you think that's coming from or like what is that that's happening um I think that has actually a lot to do with white supremacy and imperialism and media Hmm. um and so I don't think that this is an inherent um an inherent elitism that we're seeing from Africans or from Caribbeans or from South Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what it is is that, um, you know, the United States and white supremacy within the United States seeks to delegitimize all of our cultural, yeah. all of our culture, just period. Um, and they do that so that they can mine our culture for things that they can capitalize on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way they delegitimize de- our music or they, um, you know, culturally appropriate things. And then you have, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to generalize because there's a lot of people who affirm our tradition, but you do have people from, um, other countries or other traditions or other spaces who all they've seen about our culture is what has been filtered through white media. Mm. Um, and so they don't have, you know, like a firm understanding of the depth of it. Um, and there's a lot of us who don't have a firm understanding of the depth of it. Like we're doing things every day that we don't even understand to be ancestral direction. Mm. Um, and so I definitely think that, um, you know, there is that narrative or that, that narrative to attempt to delegitimize and, and, uh, and I think that's more, you know, white supremacist action than it is something coming from, you know, the continent of the Caribbean. I think that's right. just miseducation. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like, you know, people will say, oh, hoodoo doesn't have initiations. I'm like, you can download a Zora Neale Hurston PDF and she talks about three initiations. Well, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, this, yeah. is, <laughs> this is a commonly accessed public text. Like, right. Like, so to say that we don't have an initiatory process or that we don't have spiritual technology is just, 
is just completely and historically inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to get initiated to be a hoodoo or to practice the faith, but to say that that doesn't exist is like, you know, there's, there's publicly available, widely spread information that counters <laughs> that, you right. know? So, right. Or, or not having deities right. uh, either, or like right. things that we pray to. It's like, what? The, the nature is, <laughs> is a deity, our deities as well. Like forces right. of nature, our deities, ancestors, ancestral collectives like that as a deity i mean hi john like can you talk oh let's talk about hi john let's talk about hi john and just like some of the ways that we <laughs> some of the folks or spirits or ancestors that we pray to um within hoodoo yeah i also want to just like i want to touch on something that you mentioned that i want to oh, yeah. expound on a little bit mm-hmm. um like i think that a lot of people are getting exposure to a research tradition Um, and so a racial tradition has like the natural forces and that inform the humanized divinities. Um, so the Irumole that inform the Orisha or that drive the Orisha. And so I think that when they look at hoodoo and they don't see those exact same formats that they think that it's lacking. Mm, Um, and that's something that bothers me because, um, first of all, we're, there's only like, there's a tiny, tiny amount of Yoruba people that were brought to the U.S. The vast majority of us do not have, um, you know, large amounts of Yoruba ancestry, if any. Um, the majority of Hoodoo, or I, what I would say is the foundation of Hoodoo, is the Bantu people that came here first. So we know that some of the first enslaved Africans in what is now called the United States were from um, the Congo and Angola. Um, And yeah, so there's um, (laughs) there's definitely, um, you know, there's huge amounts of West African contributions. But um, but really, like, I think the first establishment of African traditional practice on what is now considered U.S. soil comes from Central Africa and the Bantu Belt. Um, And in those places, there's a it's a lot more necromantic, quote unquote necromantic. It's a lot more ancestor based and it's a a much bigger focus on natural forces than humanized divinities. Um, And so it's not that hoodoo is lacking something, it's that Mm -hmm. it has a different understanding of how to interact with spirit. Um, And so I think that's one of the the largest overtones um, or the largest, uh, how do I say, things that, you know, identifies Hudu with a lot of other Congo and, um, and Bantu traditions is that mm-hmm. this emphasis on, on natural forces. Um, I don't know if you remember Nana Pizan in, um, what is it? Daughters of the Dust. Yeah. Um, and what's her face? One of, one of her daughters-in-law was, uh, was deriding her, making fun of her for worshiping the moon or for worshiping, mm-hmm. um, you know, the water. And she was, you know, she was taken aback. Um, and whoever that girl is, I don't remember her name, but I hate her because Nana Pizant was the, the goat. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, um, I think people misunderstand Period. and they try to, they try to, um, project, um, sort of some of these West African divinities onto hoodoo, which isn't really necessary. Um, but to get back to Hi John, Hi John is bae. Hi John is just bae, like. <laughs> Period. Period. Like, and it's so funny to me when white people say that they work with Hajan. No, the fuck you don't. Oh, like, my. No, what Hajan is that? <laughs> right. Hajan just, Hajan, like, literally, so Hajan is a high ancestor. Um, it's sort of a combination of different ancestral souls um, who have merged into one spirit. Um, but the foundation for Hajan, I remember reading Mojo working and she was talking about Yanga. And I remember like when all those pieces clicked and I was like, bitch, Yanka? 
I was like, yo, this makes so much sense because, you know, we've heard about Hijan being, um, we've heard about Hijan being an African prince. Like we grow up with proximity to some of these stories about Hijan being an African prince, Hijan using his cleverness and his, um, you know, his intellect um, and, and just his spirit to, you know, resist white supremacy and maintain dignity in, in, in the face of terrorism um, and, you know, horrific dehumanization. Um, but yeah, no, Hi John is the spirit of black liberation. Hi John is the spirit of, of Hi John is anti-white supremacy, anti-capitalism. Hi John is, you know, like we getting free period. Like right. if you ever in an oppressive circumstance and you need victory, that's who you go to. Like right. when you need that extra, when you need that, that machete to come down on your enemies, um, like mm-hmm. that's who you propitiate. Um, mm-hmm. And so Hijan as a spirit is really interesting to me because very black, very African, um, and also masculine. Um, and when Hijan comes to me, he comes to me um, oftentimes during divinations with people who are multi-marginalized. Um, mm-hmm. And I find it interesting. He comes down a lot for women and trans folks, um, at least in my experience. And so um, I also see High John personally as um, a divinity that's anti-white cis heteropatriarchy because yeah. he comes from, you know, like even the stories of High John. High John is an African prince. High John is, you know, an indigenous man. High John is going to be anti any politic that's that's white supremacist and imposed upon us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that includes a lot of the gender violence that we experience. And that's not to say that you know, the content doesn't have gender violence because, or excuse me, the continent doesn't have gender violence because they do. Um, but right. it's, it doesn't take the same form as the white cis heteropatriarchy we experience here in this settler state. Right. Um, so hi John really is, he's really that nigga. Like, <laughs> that one. Um, and, and yeah, no, I, I love him to death and I'm happy to see um, sort of a, um, a renewed interest in him um, especially with so much of the, you know, civil rights work and liberation work that people are doing. So, um, I'm just trying to like contextualize it for folks who might be like, this is their first time hearing about any of this. Uh-huh. So hi, John and African Prince, our ancestors brought that energy over to this place, <laughs> to the States and were venerating this particular spirit or energy during enslavement. And what, I mean, I know there's just different stories around High John getting folks out of like really fucked up situations or actually. You are getting Frederick Douglass. I remember out reading of something. Oh, well. <laughs> Frederick, <Right>. Douglass, <laughs> Frederick Douglass had a, a, a Grigri or a Mojo made by a conjure man with the root from High John. That's how he got oh, free. And he talks wow. about that in his autobiography. I would say, though, that. <clears throat> Hajjan is an African prince who was enslaved. So it's not even that our ancestors brought this energy over with them. It's that Hajjan himself, or the original form of Hajjan, um, Gaspar Yanga was, for those who don't know, Gaspar Yanga is um, the first um, successful Maroon in the Western Hemisphere. Um, Rumor has it that he was an African prince from Gabon um, and that he was enslaved and brought to Veracruz, Mexico. Um, Mm. And he started the first maroon colony in the early 1600s in the hills of Veracruz um, and waged war on the Spanish um, Mm. and consistently, um, you know, raided plantations and um, was liberating black folks in that area, um, which is where there's a huge population of Afro-Mexicans. 
<laughs> I highly suggest everybody reads Mojo Working because Katrina yep. came with receipts on this boy. Um, sure she did. About, <laughs> right. She was talking about the exchange of enslaved Africans between Mexico and the Caribbean and the U.S. Um, and there's some other, you know, revolutionaries um, and resistant souls within um, what's now considered the U.S. Um, that I think have, um, you know, elevated into the high John spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even the high John route that is widely available is Jalapa, um, which is from Veracruz, Mexico. Um, but mm-hmm. in the U.S., we use um, we use both Jalapa, but there's also been some talk about um, Ipomea Pundarata, which is um, I don't even know if I said that right, but it's Morning Glory route. Um, and I actually heard that from Mina. You know, Mina mm-hmm. in Chicago. I love her. Um, <laughs> but, you yeah, know, she was like. That's the one that we use. That's the one, um, you know, that's most commonly used in the U.S. Um, And there's, you know, I think people, I think people, they, there's definitely some tribalism um, between diaspora and groups where folks are like, well, I'm Caribbean. Well, I'm Black American. Well, I'm Central American. Well, I'm, you know, Black South American. And and during slavery, none of that shit existed. Like, we were being, you know. Like, I'll do divinations for some people, and I'll be like, there's somebody in here from the VI. Like, Hmm. you know, you have an ancestor in here that was in the Bahamas and then moved to Mississippi. Or, you know, like, we're transferred among these different regions because prior to to liberation, there were no, there were no, um, um, you know, diaspora and ethnic identities. Like, you were an enslaved African person, and you could easily be sold into the next region. Yeah. And so High John, I think, really found a footing um, as a spirit among um, among Black Americans or, or, you know, enslaved Africans in what's now the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, that spirit itself um, is diasporan. And I think it's it's really interesting that, you know, High John the Spirit is directly from Africa, right? Like, it's, it talks about an African prince who was enslaved and brought to the diaspora. Um, and so whenever people get Afrophobic, I'm like, High John is African. <laughs> like, right. Like, High John is from the continent. So... Oh, right. All you need is a little juju. So isn't isn't High John the most widely used root in hoodoo or what or what did it used to be that? Um it's actually become way more popular um, oh. than it used to be. Mm. Like okay. it used to be they would use it in emergent situations. Um especially because like every time High John comes down, and I've sent you pictures of the of the pictures I've drawn of him every time that he comes into yes. space. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like High John is not I don't know. High John ain't friendly. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's oftentimes, you know, like I think his root is overused and a lot of people who are not seeing or experiencing him are thinking that they are. I mean that's mostly uh. white people to keep it a grip. Um, like High John, you know, the original form of High John literally spent his life, you know, killing white people and resisting white people. <laughs> so white people be like, oh, High John, talk to me. No, the fuck he did not. <laughs> he barely be talking yeah, to us. wasn't my High John. <laughs> right, right, okay, literally, <laughs> barely be talking. <laughs> right, like he comes down quiet. and he move. Right, but he's more yeah. like, um, uh, he's more stoic, I think, yeah. than he's portrayed as. Yeah. Um, or at least in, in my experience with him. Um, so yeah, no, High John is definitely, you know, somebody I consider a, a, a great high ancestor. Would you say that, I mean, you were just talking about like white people saying High John came to them. Do you <laughs> think that, do you, not even just white people, non-black people, what are your feelings around non-black people? Not, not even just working on, but, but practicing hoodoo generally. Um, do you think that that makes sense? Do you think that's possible? Like what, 
Because I know a lot of people say that hoodoo is not just, and this is mostly white people, but I've actually heard it from black folk too, that, you know, it's African, but it's also has a lot of infusion from Native American culture. It also has infusion from like whatever white people were doing <laughs> and their cultures as well. And like, it's a fusion of all those. So they feel like this uh, oh, particular traditional religion is, yeah. <laughs> no, it's so what, what, okay. So yeah, <laughs> speak to that. Yeah, no. Um... So Native American contributions are important to hoodoo in the form of actual plant medicine. Um, like, but even then that's limited. So, you know, we're coming from, you know, Africa, which has a completely different plant profile in ecology than the U.S. So yeah. when we got here, well, first of all, black folks did not have a whole bunch of exposure to natives in the first place. So the whole myth that we all have, you know, a Native American grandmother is born. We all Cherokee. Right. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> I was told that my whole life, too. Me too. No, the fuck we not. <laughs> that blood test came back and said, it's a lie. Me too. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, no. So, um, so the exposure that we did have, um, I think, you know, you have enslaved Africans who are learning the the plants um of north america and so um so we did pick up some of that knowledge from from native americans but um even the way that we use plants is different like i have um you know i have a couple friends who are black and indigenous um black and ojibwe um or you know um, black and mohawk or um you know black and other you know actually legitimately have a native parent um, and so sometimes we'll exchange information, um, and the medicinal prop, the medicinal uses will often be the same, but the spiritual uses will be different for the same point. Right. Um, and native mm-hmm. traditions and uh, somebody, you know, if you want to correct me or, or, you know, email and cuss me out for saying this incorrectly, <laughs> um, you can, but to my understanding, um, native traditions, um, they, the spiritual work that they do is um, not nearly as necromantic. There's there's um, almost like, you know, you don't call the names of any specific ancestors mm-hmm, because you don't want to thing. aggravate the dead. Um, and right. so that's completely different from hoodoo. We'd be calling everybody. If I know your name, I'm saying, uh-huh. like, yep. <laughs> like, yep. I need you to come help me. Um, but yeah, so there's there's some really massive differences actually between, um, between you know, African-derived traditional religions um, or African traditional religions and, um, you know, North American native traditions. So to say that native American traditions have made a massive, you know, inroad or impact on hoodoo is, is again, inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like non-black folks and white folks practicing hoodoo, like, I don't understand why you wouldn't just go back to your own indigenous traditions. Like my mom is white. Right. Mm-hmm. And she has, my mom's not like American white bread. My mom, my mom's mom is from Serbia and my mom's dad is a first generation American via Irish immigrants. There is tons of indigenous religious tradition in Europe. So why are you coming to a black tradition (laughs) to engage with indigenous spirituality? Like you don't have no interest in, in like the Slavas in the Balkans. You don't have no interest in like, in Celtic traditions, you don't have no interest mm-hmm. in Nordic traditions and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like all of like, go back to your folks, mm-hmm. like go back to, to, um, you know, to what it is that, that you used to do. Right. Um, and so I really feel like any type of engagement in black traditions from non-black people or non-African descended people is fetishism. Mm. Like even folks who 
I'm probably going to get spiritually attacked for saying this, but it's just true. Like even folks who, um, you know, even folks who are initiated in ATR is like, why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you explore the traditional religion of your ancestral body? Right. And so it feels like just pretty much any engagement is like it's it's fetishism. It's it's you know, I'm trying to use um, black or native traditions. to. There's that meme. I'm trying using black and native traditions to fill up your settler soul. Like Mm. you can still be you can still be a clairvoyant. You can still be a a spiritualist. You can still be um, a traditional priest in in as a European. You just can't do it in hoodoo. Right. (laughs) <laughs> like you just this just but we all weird. have indigenous practices which is this, what you're saying like we all have our, <laughs> our own indigenous practices we don't have to go to someone else's indigenous practices. right right we and so that's what I was saying about like you know you go to your ancestors first and how hoodoo is at its core like you have to have uh, a lineages you know African lineages in order to practice because so much of what we learn so much of the medicine that we receive, we receive via ancestral guidance, right? Yeah. So if you don't have those ancestors, then they're not giving you hoodoo medicine. They're giving mm-hmm. you medicine of their tradition. So you mm-hmm. need to go back to that, right? Like and figure that out, right? Um, because because literally you're not doing hoodoo. Like if you don't have any African lineages to pull on, you're not doing hoodoo. Like you can right. call it hoodoo all you want to, right. but that's not well, what it is. Uh, well. <laughs> See, I want to talk about that a little bit because this this fetishizing of hoodoo has become, fortunately, well, I feel like until now, like the face of hoodoo. So when people look oh, to so hoodoo, they're looking to white women and <laughs> doing butter candles and what have you. And I just, do you know much about like how hoodoo became so commercialized and how it is just getting resold back to? Black, back to black people and, and lots of folks who do not have an, uh, African blood are practicing and selling us our shit back, telling us we got to put this earth together and this earth that don't make no sense. And right. telling us how John is coming to them. So yeah. like what, what happened throughout history, if you know, like how, how did that become a, a thing? Well, definitely commercialization, like post reconstruction, like, you know, there's always been the suppression of black entrepreneurship um, mm-hmm. and us having control mm-hmm. of our own resources and tradition. Um, and so it's, you know, even in Memphis, they talk about, um, you know, root doctors being harassed by police for voodooism and fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, you know, even when it's not legally on the books that hoodoo is illegal, they'll still find ways to persecute you. Um, and so it was really the the white Jewish community who started setting up shops um, and and selling supplies to to conjure folks and to root doctors. Um, and I think from there is when, oh, um, you know, it moved more into white understanding. Um, and mm. that's not to say that white folks didn't have exposure to hoodoo. I mean, you know, there's um, white people in the South who would go to black root doctors. Yeah. Like just yeah. proximity, yeah. you know, they'll go to black root doctors to get answers, to get divination, to, you know, get medicine. Um, but that's you coming as a client. That's not you right. coming as an authority. Right. Um, <laughs> so I definitely think that, um, you know, the white Jewish community, um, you know, opening up shops, so to speak, to mm-hmm. sell incense, mm-hmm. to make fake mojo bags, because there are documents of that, of um, practitioners creating like fake and kisi or fake mojo bags to sell to practitioners to capitalize. Can you um, talk about what a mojo bag is just for folks who don't know? Yes. Okay. So a mojo bag, mojo comes from the Kikongo word moyo, which means spirit. Um, a mojo bag is a small packet 
um, of different materials that are specifically created to hold a spirit. So it's a living thing. It's a physical thing that has a spirit within it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's used for tons of purposes. So some people will create malevolent mojo bags to curse folks. Like that's what we were using before we were using jars. Um, and then some folks will make mojo to contain a spirit that can assist them. Um, and you see this, um, you know, it has roots in, in multiple places. So moyo is a Kikongo word. Um, and then, you know, in Southern Louisiana, we have grigri, which comes from um, Bambara Getty Getty. Um, which were created with the remains of, of fallen soldiers and warriors to, um, you know, assist living warriors in battle. So it's a it's a living spirit that you keep on your person that um, can do a ton of different things um, mm. based upon how it's made. So mm. it can cover you with protection. Mm-hmm. It can open roads. It can work on attraction. It can cause chaos in your enemies. Um, so a mojo is a it's a living spirit. It's a it's a religious um, uh, figure. <laughs> the white folks, right. the, the anthropologists, right. they call it a power figure. A um, power figure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's, there's um, you know, multiple tra- traditions that inform the creation of that. Um, in Kikongo, it would be considered an, an inkisi. Um, so okay. it's a receptacle. It's a receptacle to hold um, a natural energy or force, or to hold a spirit. Um, okay. But yeah, no, you do have, uh, you do have, you know, um, a, a heavy commercialization. Um, you know, even just like one of the most obvious things is candle work. Yeah, I was like candle just thinking that. Candles. Just thinking, that. right? <laughs> like candles. Are well, used... couldn't nobody afford candles. Yeah, <laughs> right. Candles were used in places that had uh, Catholic influence. So, so like I do think, right? Southern Louisiana, um, the Gulf Coast. Um, I think that there's some history of candle use in North Florida, where the Spanish, um, you know, were owning Florida prior to. Um, Florida becoming part of the U.S. But by and large, people use oil lamps. Mm. So like using Mm -hmm. candles consistently or selling hoodoo through candle work is just a historical inaccuracy. That don't mean candles don't work. I like candles. Yeah. They'd be cute. You know, I like them gold. I like them pink. I like them whatever color. But but yeah, no, when we're talking about, um, you know, tradition and authenticity, candles are, are a much, much newer thing. And I think that they were added um, by um, commercialized or white practitioners mm-hmm. um, to the tradition. Oh, thank you for that. So I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk to you about Reclaiming Conjure because I mm-hmm. feel like that has been such a, I mean, we've been talking a lot about the history, but Reclaiming Conjure is my this Facebook group that she started. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's such an impact that like I can feel like in mm-hmm. the world of existing, like it has really brought, I mean, it brought me into, into Hoodoo and so many other folks. So what made you want to start this Facebook group? And like, did you get like a vision from your ancestors that you needed to do this? Cause like it has impacted so many people. So I know it's divine. So I'm just, <laughs> no, I was, it wasn't even a vision. I was angry. Like mm. I was so aggravated because I'm a practitioner and I was like, you know, obviously even in social media spaces, you want to be in community with other folks who are practicing. Um, You know, you want to expand upon historical context. You want to learn or you want to teach or you want to be in community with others. And I could not find a hoodoo group that was strictly hoodoo that was Mm -hmm. all black. And then Hmm. if it was strictly hoodoo and all black, then sometimes there would be, it would be like a low count. It would be low participation or there would be like some transphobia or misogyny. And I'm like, I, I just can't deal with these faces. Like, yeah. I, I'm not finna, I'm not doing this with y'all. Right. So I would, I got tired of complaining because I think I made like six posts one month just going off. Cause you know, I'd be rage <laughs> posting. 
And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to uh-huh. make my own group. So I made my own group and, and um, you know, I'm extremely strict about vetting to the point where it's not open, you know, like the group yeah. is secret yeah. um, or set to a secret setting because I don't just be letting people in. It's not, sure I think don't. though, like, <laughs> it, it, I love it, but I'm just saying. Hey, you really don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I really don't. Um, it'd be like once every six months, I'd be like, okay, we'll accept new members. Um, but it's it's also, I started it as community work. I didn't start it as a sales group, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's not a place where I was seeking to create a customer base and sell products. Um, it was a place where, you know, I wanted to, you know, really give people the tools to, um, you know, to grow their spiritual life. Um, and, and that's sort of, you know, my goal as a priest is, you know, glory and payment, that's all good. And, and I'm still seeking those, but what's more important <laughs> sure. than what's more important than anything is making sure that the community has spiritual protections and resources. You know what I'm saying? Like right. you need to know how yeah. to talk to your ancestors to receive guidance. You need to know how to feed the spirits that you have so that, you know, all of the energies that are surrounding your life are properly propitiated and guiding you in the right direction. Um, like you need fundamentals um, to, you know, your spiritual practice in a pragmatic way that are really working, not just for show or for play play. Right. Um, and so that was sort of my my community service project where I was like, I'm going to get a group of people together um, where everybody will be extremely vetted, um, that where it's going to be a space where that I can make as safe as possible. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to deal with no colorism. I don't want to deal with no transphobia. I don't want to deal with no misogyny. Like, mm-hmm. I want people from, you know, multi-marginalized groups to have access to spiritual resources so that they can live out their destinies as safely as possible. Yes. Um, so that's really just what it was. And, and you know, like, the group is more, the group is more call and response than it is just me directing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'll be like, all right, what y'all need? <laughs> what questions mm-hmm. y'all got? Like, you know, how mm-hmm. can I assist you in your spiritual growth? Um, so I'm really happy that, you know, it's seen as something that, um, you know, has made a, a large impact and, and is divinely oriented because I want everything I do to be per my ancestral direction. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm really happy with the success of it. I mean, we're still small. We're like at 500 members and happy to be at 500 members. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Um, just because like, you know, you get that real community based feel. It's not you like do. a whole bunch of voices. You start to you know, as community people follow others' spiritual stories and, and are able to be present and supportive of their experience. Right. Um, so that it's not, you know, thousands of people, 10,000 members all, you know, asking for love spells, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's no shade. That's no shade to bigger groups. There actually are some bigger groups who have open members who do amazing work. Yeah. Um, like Daisy's Witches Brew, Witches Indigenous Root Work yeah. and Conjure. I love that group. Um, And it's much bigger and much more open. Um, But yeah, no, like I remember there was a hoodoo group that had like, it was basically open to all races that had like 10,000 members. And it was just a whole bunch of bullshit. Like every post was just like, nobody's getting, nobody's getting resources. (laughs) Everybody's just trying to flex on each other. And then you have white people who want to start a thread every two weeks talking about white people can do hoodoo too. Yeah. With fake receipts. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Go away. It's like the dreadlock conversation. Like, white people had dreadlocks. Like, no, they no. did not. <laughs> Your hair don't, like, do, don't lock, baby. Right. Like, your strands <laughs> do not hug each other that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just don't. 
they don't wrap around each other in an embrace no, to they make don't a hug laugh. Each other. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't happen. They don't um, do that. Right. Yeah. So, so stop, have stop trying to make face happen. Right, right. <sighs> so why do you so with reclaiming country group? I mean, why do you think that black people like in mass are on this journey of really going back and listening to our ancestors? Because for me it feels like People have been doing it, and it, and it does exist within us, but I feel like right now it's just like an influx of black folk, like, hold up, skirt, like, what I've been doing? I need to go back and do something. What do you think that is? <laughs> um, I feel really strongly that black people are leaving the church en masse, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's because the black church is becoming, um, well, not necessarily the black church specifically, but churches in general are becoming you know, even more evangelical. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we have third wave feminism that's happening. We have third wave womanism that's happening, or it's not even a third wave for womanism. We're having a womanist expansion because we've always been womanist. Right. Um, And, um, and, you know, with that comes this, um, this critique of the ways in which um, the religions we've been taught are actively working to harm us. Um, and so people are, are voicing their negative experiences in the church. They're talking about feeling disconnected. They're talking about, um, you know, feeling unrepresented or demonized because of their sexuality or their identity or, um, you know, a whole host of different things. And so people are leaving. They're Mm -hmm. like, if you can't, you know, like this, this religion has always based, has always been based on, on fear mongering. Um, and I don't want to be a part of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think when they start leaving, you have two groups of folks. You have folks who become atheists, and then you have folks who are looking for some type of na- natural spirituality and end up in like Wicca. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then they, they bounce back out of Wicca and end up in Hoodoo, and they're like, okay, what am I doing? Right. So I think, you know, just the concept of just ancestor veneration, not even the concept of it, just the actual practice of it. Like ancestor veneration, that's your team. That's mm-hmm. your squad. squad. Those are gang. Right, gang, gang mm-hmm. for real. Um, you know, that's the group of people in your blood that go back thousands of years who have contributed in every way to who you are. Um, and so, you know, even folks who have negative experiences with their immediate family, like you're you didn't become who you are in a vacuum, you know, in a right. spiritual vacuum. Like all of the things, your your identities, your experiences, your likes and dislikes, all of this is coming from your dead folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ancestor veneration is really an opportunity for, um, people to get in contact and to be in community with the spirits that are already working on their behalf, um, and who are already, you know, working to cover and protect them. Um, and, and I think just, um, you know, that, that immediate personalization, mm-hmm. um, like of a lot of Abrahamic traditions are a list of do's and don'ts. Um, and people are having a myriad of different experiences, um, tons of nuanced experiences and one path is not going to fit everybody. Right. Um, and so Abrahamic traditions are very much like, you know, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. Pray on it and everything will be fine. And shit ain't fine. <laughs> like we're not okay. Not <laughs> right. Nope. And so this current social political context as well. I mean, informing this spiritual work too, is like, we are not fine in pretty much <laughs> almost every aspect. We are right. Not we're not fine. okay. Yeah. Um, and so I think people, when they they embark on on that journey, when they start their ancestral work, they're like, nothing could be more authentic, you know what I'm saying, than venerating the people who made me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's no, 
there's no performance. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, um, and I think sometimes you'll catch that with folks who jump right into working with different divinities or attempting to. They'll be like, oh, so-and-so came to me in a dream or like, you know, it was Oshun or it was Yemoja or it was Anansi or it was, um, you know, like a lot of this flexing with prayer candles and people setting up altars and posting pictures online. Like there's no confirmation that that divinity is who you're hearing. There's no confirmation if you're not receiving divination from an initiated priest. Like ancestor right. veneration is spirits that you already have. You don't need to get initiated yep. to work with them. Like Ooh. you don't need to receive them. They're around You're you. Right. They need to be mm -hmm. fed. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you need to listen to them so that they're taking you on the correct path. And by nature, it's individualized because these are your people. Um, right. And so it's just, it's from a spiritualist perspective, it's the most logical step. But for other people, it can be, um, for other people, it, it's, it's like, uh, for other people, it's like, oh, I would have never thought of that. You right. know what I'm saying? Like you should right. always go to your ancestors first. Your ancestors mm -hmm. are your ancestors job. What they are trying to do um, is to cover and protect your lineage and make sure that you're living out your destiny to ensure a healthy lineage in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and so mm -hmm. they they have a natural <laughs> they have um, an agenda. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? They're not working without an agenda. Mm -hmm. Your prosperity, your protection, your success is what innately is the success of the lineage. Um, and so they're always going to be, you know, trying to advise you um, in the best possible capacity so that you see success in this life. Um, and success can mean a whole host of different things. By when I say success, I don't always mean like capitalist success, though everybody does need to eat. But like, are you happy? You know what I'm saying? Are mm -hmm. you in relationships that are fulfilling? Like, you know, mm -hmm. do you have, um, you know, cushion in your bank account so that you can breathe easy at night? Right, um, right. Are you surrounded by people who love and support you? You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, going to your ancestors first is, is always my answer to damn near everything. You know, me. right. <laughs> right. Cut and paste. Go to your ancestors. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. They don't know better. They don't know better than me. Honestly, your people right. don't know how you need to be what you need, you know, <laughs> period. Right. So um, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that, um, you know, oftentimes. Sorry, hold on. Oftentimes, um, you'll have folks who'll be like, I've had such horrific or traumatic experiences with my immediate family, like what I'm supposed to go to my ancestors for. And I think you really have to contextualize those experiences also. Like your, your dead folks are always going to be horrified um, at abuse you experience at the hands yes. of your family members because this yeah. creates tears and breaks yeah. like in the lineage. Um, and so oftentimes mm -hmm. they'll be the first ones to be like, we're not dealing with that shit. Like we need to get you into a safe space, even if it's your own family member who's hurting you. Um, and then you have instances where you'll have folks who have really bad behavior, who have died and become part of the ancestral body. And that's when you get into some more sorceress types of ancestral work, because it'd be them. It'd be the ones who hurt you in this life who understand now that they've died, the damage that they've done, and now are trying to fix it. So right. sometimes it'd be them who want to work the hardest. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have, you know, situations with, um, you have situations with unelevated spirits, um, unelevated ancestral spirits, haints, or ancestors who've experienced great violence. Um, and oftentimes they need help from us to elevate so that they can, you know, do what they would like to do to support us. Um, and so it's really a relationship 
Um, it's not just a memorial. And I tell people that when they set up their altars, I'm like, this is not a memorial. This is their home mm-hmm. and their home. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? This is the living spiritual body that you're engaging with. Um, so you want to treat them, you know, as alive. It's an exchange of, um, you know, of spiritual communication and power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't mean to cut you off. What you was going to say? No, you're good. I was saying I wanted to, um, I know we're up on an hour, so mm-hmm. I wanted to be respectful of your time, but I did want to ask like for a last question like what would you say to people who are afraid but they know that they want to take a leap and start like honoring their ancestors so they want to get into hoodoo like what kind of advice would you give someone who's a newbie or even just someone who's new and who feels like I don't hear anything like I don't I'm at my altar but nothing's happening uh, what do you ah. have to say to those folks um, I would say definitely trust and understand that not everybody has the same quote unquote psychic ability, you know, mm-hmm. um, like there's clairvoyance, clairaudience, and what most often you will see is claircognizance um, in, in newbies or beginners, um, or you'll get an overwhelming feeling that you just know something um, mm-hmm. or something will work out okay, or, you know, you need to move in this direction. Um, so I, I highly suggest that, you know, you um, you know, you go to your altars, you, you treat your altars with respect, um, you know, that you talk to your folks on a daily basis, that you make your offerings once a week, um, and that you catalog, you know, everything that you immediately feel, any of the dreams that you have, um, and that you, you know, keep up that work because you will see the differences. Um, and you have more people in your ancestral lineage who want to see you win than you do, you know, ancestors Mm -hmm. who are unelevated. So trust Mm -hmm. your ancestors to love you. Um, and to want to support you and see you win and to run herd on, you know, any, any problematic stuff. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's my number one go-to for so many different things. Like, you know, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen more healing mentally and physically come through ancestor veneration in six months than I tell her. Yeah. Sorry. Broke up a little bit. You said, um, you see more healing in six months than, and then it broke up. Oh, yeah. I was saying I see more healing, you know, physical and mental healing in folks in six months of ancestor veneration than I do in, you know, years of of Western medical intervention. Absolutely. Um, Like when it comes to depression, when Mm -hmm. it comes to your relationships, Mm -hmm. when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to self-esteem, like I see so much progress made in such a short amount of time. Um, you know, when you start working directly with your folks. Um, yeah. And I think people be like, I'm not hearing them. And I'm like, but you are because mm-hmm. you went into TJ Maxx and they told you they wanted that cup and you felt yep. it and bought it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Or, or, you know, you got that overwhelming urge to eat peach cobbler and you don't even know how to make it. That's for them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and so that those overwhelming feelings that clear cognizance is communication. And the more that you work at it, typically the deeper um, those experiences will feel. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Maisha. Of course. This was such a good interview. I know. I'm really happy with it. Um, I want you to uh, plug all your stuff. Tell people where they can find you. If they want to schedule divinations. Um, I am, I'm in Atlanta. I'm in East Point. Um, And you can get a hold of me or shop my products or or utilize my services um, at my website, which is www.cognacxconjure.com. You can book divinations there. You can check out different products that I make there. 
Um, also, like I said, I'm in Atlanta, so I do spiritual washes, um, you know, for local pickup. Um, you know, I have folks who want to come get in-person divinations. Email me if you want to schedule. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm here. You can pretty much find almost all my stuff through my site. Um, there are folks who are friends with me on Facebook, Maisha Worthington on Facebook. Um, and yeah, that's how you can find me. Yay. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Of course. Of course. Have a good one. Have a good one. It's been a pleasure. And again, thank you so much for, you know, for facilitating this forum and, and for creating this, um, this radio show. I'm looking forward to hearing all the new episodes. Of course, you know, my ancestors told me I had to, so I'm mm-hmm. trying to listen. <laughs> of course, of course. All, All right, right, love. Thank you so much. Of course. Have a good night. Right, wow, y'all, I am just so full after that interview. Isn't she amazing? Like, just such, just has so much knowledge. It's almost ridiculous. <laughs> like, I'm so smart and... I just feel so much even more empowered that I'm a root worker and even more empo- empowered to be a hoodoo woman um, because I just love that I'm just participating in the practice of my ancestors and participating in the practice and religion and tradition that kept my people alive so that I could be here. Like that fed my people, that made us, that gave us medicines that gave us spiritual practices. And I, I just, okay, also my <laughs> my bathroom light just flickered when I said that. And then it, it just turned on super bright. See, this is what I mean. <laughs> like, I just know I should be, I have to be doing this work. And I'm just so grateful for the people that are on this journey to keeping hoodoo alive and talking about it and and writing about it and being so forthcoming with information like Maisha. So I hope you all enjoyed. I hope you all took some notes, listen to it again and again, just really get your life from that and get your knowledge up and then go talk to your ancestors. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I'll see you next week. Bye.